course, that's just what Chichi Devain says. Chichi Devain. I thought we were in recording, but no, we are. I just forgot to put are we, the, the are we timer. Actually? We are. Mm-hmm. We are. Anyway, hello and welcome to the 10th episode of Mexican. The 10th episode? Oh my god. Oh my god. god. Mexicans, because we're Mexican. And apparently we could. We could. Of. Somewhat. We could 10 times. Somewhat we could 10 times. Can we you? started. <laughs> and then he ran into my knife. <laughs> then he ran into my knife 10 times. 10 times. Oh my god! I wanted to talk to you oh. about this tweet that I showed you oh, shit. the other day. What tweet? That uh, I forget. Oh my god! I, I, I forget who tweeted it, but it was like every household is either a Le Mis, a Le Miserable's a household, Miserable. or a cat's household, yeah. but never both. And it turns out you hate cats. I hate cats. The musical. The musical. Love <laughs> cats. The animal. Hate cats. The musical. I think it's inane. I think it's stupid. I think the main character is boring. Who is the main... According to you, who is the, the main female, character? The one that sings... Grisabella. Yes, Grisabella. The glamour yes, cat. Yes, the glamour... Uh, I just... Who had ever thought that that... Who would ever have... I'm sorry. I'm, I, don't, I don't like cats that much. I like the concept. I like the concept. I don't like the costumes. I think they're weird. I, I'm not crazy about it. Um, I don't know. I think it's gimmicky. Okay, I, it I is like, gimmicky. I like Les Mis a lot more. It is very gimmicky. Uh, my first musical I ever watched was Cats. Originally, I did not want to, like, my brother got birthday tickets to Cats, and I did not want to go. I was being a little shit about it, like, no, I don't want to go. And then finally, we went to see Cats, and I was mesmerized by everything that I saw. It was amazing. And then I rewatched in Broadway not long ago. On and Broadway. When? When was this? Uh, it was this. It was this December, actually. And? Yes. I loved it. I loved it. It's amazing. I, Skimble Shanks is my favorite song to this day. Skimble Shanks, the railway cat. Uh, uh, I, 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 it doesn't have much of a story. It doesn't have much of a plot. It's just like, you know, look at these cats. Yay. Look at, this, look at the songs. Yay. Look at Jenny Annie Dots with her amazing outfit. Yay. Uh, I, but I also have to admit that a lot of my problems when it comes to my fetishes may come from cats. Really? Yeah, I'm not a furry, or so I say, so you won't kick me out of your house. Yes, no furries here, I'm sorry. Fairies, yes, furries, no. <laughs> I need to have this maiden to welcome that. <laughs> fairies, welcome. Furries, fuck off. Just like, fuck right off. Next idea for a t shirt. Yes, exactly. Oh, it's gonna sell. It's gonna sell. Yeah. No fats, no femmes, no furries. <laughs> Except I don't have a problem with fats or femmes, just furries. So it would be like fats, femmes, and Asians, check, 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 furries. No. Non-disclosed. Like, no. Sorry. No, 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 no. Not a fan. I have um, nothing against furries. It's, it's, it hits too close to home. <laughs> <laughs> my, my dark and tormented past. Just it reminds me, did you ever see, um, what's the name of that South Park movie with the puppets? Uh, America, fuck yeah. Uh, oh, the um, uh, team... Team, team America. Team America. To America. Yeah, team America. Uh, in which they have this whole joke in which like he hates actors because yes. <laughs> his sister was yes. gang raped by that's, that's it. That's it. Uh, so, this is Mexican. This is Mexican. Well, thank it, you for stopping by. Yes, let me introduce you, my co-host. Uh, you can feed him after midnight, but why would you? <laughs> he can feed himself. Exactly. Thank you very much. Luis Augusto. Thank you. And may I introduce Martin Leon. You know that guy who your friend tells you is out of your league? Martin is that friend keeping you grounded. <laughs> He's like, Luis Augusto, no, no, no don't, don't no, try. No, don't try. Don't bother. Look at you, look at him. Look exactly. At him. It's like, just like, aim, I'm just tr- aim realistically. You know, like, if you shoot for the, for the moon and you miss, it's just a failed moon mission. Yes, yes. It's yes. like, there's like, sh- like, you're just throwing more garbage up you're to space. You're just burning astronauts in the stratosphere. Exactly. It's you're just, just making... You're just being a bother for Sandra Bullock and George Clooney oh, in space. I'm the guy who got his face blown off by a meteor- meteorite. Yeah. yeah. If that's what you, is that what we're calling it nowadays? <laughs> 
Nazi, he is that friend. <laughs> Welcome, yeah. Yay. Uh, so how are you this week? How are you today? I'm really good. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, I've been I've been writing. I have I have more premises that I do punchlines, but I admit that's kind of a good thing. I feel I feel, you know, excited for what those premises will bring as far as punchlines go. Um, and I, well, you know, I have, I thought I didn't have any shows for me and then I looked around and I had like several. I was you like, what the, what the hell's happening? You have a couple with me. Too. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes, yes. I was like, what's happening? Uh, but we we're going to be together on May 17th with yes. Elena Chavez in a new comedy club called... The comedy club. Apparently, it's all the rage. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. I mean, about it. The, the the owner slash producer Isaac Salame. He's uh, he's pretty you know serious when he come. He's Jewish, so he's so gonna, we so we enjoy so, some stereotypes so, here. So he's yeah. going to take over the world exactly some way or another. Uh, yeah, I was being stereotyping. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm but really I'm just sorry. happy to be invited. Like this is me. Luis Augusto, just happy to be here. Like, <laughs> thank you for considering me. Thank you for your consideration. And that's it. Aww. Yeah, I've, I've been writing as well. Not, it hasn't been going as well as your writing. Um, I was in, uh, in an open mic earlier this week. And I tried, a, jo- I tried a, a, a bit about a wedding. And there was a small like joke I, I started doing about um, the similarities between the very rich and the very poor here in yes. Mexico. And the moment I stepped off, this other comedian approaches me and he goes, that joke is exactly the same as this other comedian's joke who is very famous and the joke is very famous and everyone remembers him because of this joke. And I genuinely, like, I don't know what was more embarrassing, that I had a joke that someone else had done before, which is always feels awful. Yeah. Always feels terrible. Or the fact that this is apparently a really, really famous joke and I didn't, I I mean, didn't I know, know anything about it. famous outside the comedy scene. Well, still... Still, though, I mean, serious, I seriously, like, when this guy tells me, this joke is really famous, I approached these two people like, who were close to me, and I was like, have you heard of a joke about the very rich and the very poor? And they immediately go, yes, this guy. Like, yeah. they both. And when I told him, it was also, not only have I heard that joke before, I've also heard other versions of that joke. Yeah, apparently it's a joke that just, I mean, it's not the deepest, most personal observation I could have made. So I'm not, I don't feel like I'm losing anything by letting the joke go. It just feels like it's, you know, mm. it's a tiny needle in your ego. Like I've been there. Yeah. Like we've this all been thing. There. Yeah. We've all been there. And this is part of like, this is such a weird thing. Like when the, the, the struggle for originality and how original is original. Like, is anyone original? No. Like, when I'm talking about even my most original jokes. No, but you quotes. are original. You have a very original take on a lot of things. The thing is here, uh, even here, like the main difference, and we talked about this, is that you, for you, this joke was sort of a stepping stone in something larger. Yeah. The original, quote unquote, original joke, it's all about that. It, it was a list. It's that. A list it's that. Yeah. Uh, so the way you approached it was completely original. You just happened on a thing that, you know, it's, Several things, actually. Yeah, that, that, you know, a lot of people have noticed, which, you know, as an observational comedian, that happens. But I will tell about, now that you said that uh, things going well or not well with my comedy writing, I don't know if it's going well or not well, but um, the thing is, uh, I just enjoy doing comedy, like doing stand-up so much. Like, I just love being on stage. And this is something I'm trying to, like, you know, get people on board, you know, like, uh, like, for me... Even when I write and I feel that I spend like a whole hour just wasted, like I'm like, like ugh, I hate everything. In the end, it's part of this thing that I love, which is doing stand-up and doing comedy. So I'm just, uh, I, you know, even if I spend, you know, three hours just banging my, my head against the wall thinking this joke I've heard versions of before and this joke's not going anywhere and um, this isn't a joke, this is just a rant. In the end, you know, I... Whatever little material com- comes out of that, I go on stage and I try it and it works or it doesn't work and I just enjoy the whole process. You know, you're right. You're right. And it, it's a beautiful process. Um, yeah. I, lo- I mean, when I was writing this joke, you know, when it, I was just putting it down on, on paper, you were with me and I told you like, I don't know if I like, if I want to write about a wedding because it seems like such a general observation when most of my, most of my humor is about personal observation and the, the thing that happens to me and how to, you need to get married. I need to get, I need to get just married. Just for the jokes. Yeah. No. And, um, and you told me like, there's nothing wrong with trying to write a wedding joke. Every comedian has a wedding joke. Mm. Everyone has a wedding joke. Uh, so it's like, 
I may as well give it a try and just yeah. see if anything comes out of it. And, I was and, just and the cool yeah. thing with people like you that you've seen a lot of comedy, not only stand-up comedy, but comedy in a lot, in a lot of you know, you know, movies, series, whatever, is that you are aware that some things have already been done before. Yeah. So you are gonna like when you get to those places, you know, as long as you you know, you know, because we can't know everything. Yes. No. What are we? Women? No. When are we? <laughs> Who? Why are we? Why are we? Yeah. Um, so yeah, enjoy so, the process. Yeah. So today's Mexican stereotype. Uh, I was going to say today's Mexican stereotype for the day for some reason, and then I said it. And it's drugs. 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 All if I you're want. in America, chances are you've heard of our national product. Drugs. They're good for everything. Are you sad? Are you happy? Are you busy? So here, drugs in Mexico, they have... The, there's the... Two, you know, you guys in the States... I mean, except for several communities, but I'm not going to belittle the fact that drugs have been, like... Like, a, how do you call it? They like, have an opioid crisis How right do you now, call yes. it when, when something... A blight. I was looking for that word. Like, they've been a blight in several communities. But a lot of people have the privilege in the, in the US and in Mexico uh, of drugs just being entertainment and recreation. Yeah, totally. Um, and here in Mexico... There's a huge divide which, which, between how drugs are made and sold and, you know, the murky world of drug dealing and, you know, calling yeah. and, and, you know, calling a dealer and being like, hey, I want some coke. Exactly. Here in Mexico, the divide, not so large, you know, especially because we just, there is no, you literally have to be living under a rock not to see the damage that the drugs are doing to this country. Like, this, it's just, it's not an epidemic. It's not like, our problem is not people being addicted to drugs. Our problem is people being killed en masse. Yeah, I mean, the, the, Due to drugs, I mean, right? there's a lot of money uh, being, you know, it, it it's it makes or break people, break people, yes. and and for a lot of young people, uh, both in in Mexico City and outside Mexico City, uh, drug dealing is a way of making money that otherwise they wouldn't be able to make. Like, Absolutely, it gives them it gives them access to things that otherwise they wouldn't have access to. So, do you do any drugs? Have you done any drugs? I've done drugs. I haven't done drugs in a while, but I'm not at, at all, you know, separated from from drugs. I I do have a lot of friends who partake, partake, uh, yes. partake um, on uh, a lot of uh, party drugs. Um, to, today, actually, uh, at Zona Rosa and this bar called El Nueve, the Nine. Uh, there's a party called Cruising in which a friend of mine uh, DJs. He's the producer and the <clears> DJ <throat> of the party. And I know for a fact there's going to be drugs. Many a drug. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, I, I, I also have a lot of, uh, you know, people in my friends list who, uh, you know, will, will tell you any sort of, you know, you can't consume the product without you know, taking responsibility or, or becoming part of the whole psych, violent cycle of, of producing drugs. Um, so, but no, like myself, uh, I'm just high on life. Oh, I'm just I'm, high on life. And anxiety. <laughs> that's, that's why I would, I've never tried any drug uh, that isn't uh, marijuana, any illegal drug that isn't okay. marijuana. Uh, <clears throat> and part of that, part of the reason for that is like, I'm just scared shitless of what my mind will do on drugs because my mind is already quite capable of ruining me due to my anxiety and depression for which yeah. I am taking medication. Like it's, it's perfectly capable of just destroying me with like a couple of thoughts and a couple of things that, you know, like giving it some kind something that will make me have less control of it just makes me panic. I just can't deal with... For example, I did not try any sort of legal or illegal drug. I did drink alcohol before I was uh, I was old enough to legally drink alcohol. You know, the legal age for drinking here is 18 years old. Because, you know, your, your father will give you a sip of beer, they will give you a sip of wine. And I did not understand the appeal. Like, this right. is... This doesn't taste good. Yeah. Then I, then I learned about chocolate, chocolate martinis and I'm like, give me 20. And then afterwards, my first experience uh, with, you know, anything illegal was actually with something, you know, it wasn't marijuana, it was something stronger. What was it? Uh, it was, it was not, it was, 
I, I, the thing is, I know it was Dick. It, it, was, it was Dick. It was Dick. Yeah. It was a man named Dick. Okay. <laughs> it was Dick Stick. It was Dick Stick, which on was a just stick. which was just covered in MDMA. And Dick Stick was, on a stick. It was just like yeah. you know, you know, like those nerd ropes. It was this guy instead of nerds. It was just MDMA pills. I like it. MDMA is it MDMA or or am I confusing it for the Madonna album? I don't even know. Anyway, it was it was like it was like an it was like an upper. It was a huge upper. But the thing here that happened with that one is that. I was uh, with like I wasn't this in like oh you know like a lot of a lot of I know people will be like you know like oh I got this pill from this dealer and it didn't work or it worked in a way that wasn't supposed to work which is you know terrifying yes. here uh, it was it was a, I have to admit it was a, it was a, and and don't do drugs kids. But I had an amazing experience because I was surrounded by friends who were taking care of me. It's who, all about who you surround yourself. Well, that's true. Yeah. That's true. And they and they were aware it was my first time, so like <coughs> they just told like it, like they did this whole talk with me before. Like if you start feeling like this, like this, then you need to do this. And one thing that happens, especially with uppers, is that um, uh, you're like you you get so ecstatic, so happy, and and then as the drug starts to wear off. Your brain is like, wait, I still want to have this. So <laughs> it tries to go up and it can't. So the crash is just awful. Oh like, gosh. you know, it is awful. But when I was when I was with these friends, I told them, okay, what you need to do is you need to realize that you're, you you need to tell your brain, no, this is we need to just write this down as it is going down. Because if we try to step stay up, right. we're gonna crash. Yeah. So it was just a fantastic experience. Oh, it was so yeah. And but like afterwards I've had some yeah, I, I I've had way more drugs than I should admit to on a podcast my parents could listen to. Oh nonsense. No. <laughs> um I've I've done like the thing is Do you enjoy I'm very I'm very the green devil. I'm very unpredictable on marijuana. Like So far, I've only done marijuana probably about 20 times in my life. And um, it's kind of like 50-50. I'll either have a really good time or just I'll, it'll be rubbish. Like last time, I I ate marijuana. Yum. Um, <laughs> it was awful. It was just terrible. It was I was with my boyfriend at a party. And um, the, this guy comes and is like, oh, you know, you want some marijuana cupcakes? And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Edibles are a, bit, are a gamble. Yeah, and then I was like, I'm not going to tell the whole thing, but this is a funny thing that happened. Well, funny in ret retrospect. <laughs> um, I was, you know, I was really high. And then my boyfriend, uh, you know, he's hanging out with me. And then this guy from, it was a work party from, from his work. And this guy comes up and talks to him. And my boyfriend proceeds to ignore me for an hour. And I'm, I don't know anyone else at the party, so I'm like really pissed off and really high and just looking at him like, I hate you. You're an awful, awful boyfriend. Like, you, like, just, you know I can't you make friends. Yeah, you just left me at a party and you're just ignoring me and it's been, you know, it's been 30 minutes, it's been 40 minutes, I just hate this. I was so angry, but I didn't want to make a scene that I made a note on my mobile that, and all I could manage to write was bad Inyaki, which is his name. Bad Inyaki. That's all I managed to write. Then it transpired when I remembered this the next day and I told Inyaki, you, you fucker. You ignored me at a party I know no one. And he goes, I was talking to the guy for four minutes. Tops. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah. I, I said hi to him. We talked about a meeting we had uh, the following week. And that's And then he it. left. And then he left. And I was like, It felt like an hour. But here's the thing. I would have liked to have a camera feed of that because it would have just been my boyfriend talking to this guy for four minutes and me <laughs> just going through all these emotions looking at him, just like hating the sight of him, like, you fucker. Just like glaring at him, you. glaring at him for four minutes because he wasn't paying any attention to me. So it was, it was yeah, terrible. Yeah, time, time is weird it when you're terrible. in drugs. And the thing is, I'm very bitter about drugs. I'm not going to lie. I'm very bitter because, you know... A, Not so, many, not so many of my friends that I know, but a lot of um, friends of friends, they will do a lot of coke, for example. Yeah. And I, I don't know how controversial this is going to be, but I usually hate the consumer more than I hate the seller or the producer, especially in this country, because I know that a lot of the people who end up selling and, and, and uh, producing drugs or growing things to make drugs or whatever... They really have been pushed to that by an environment that sometimes yeah. it's either that or starving. Especially the selling part of exactly. that. Exactly. It's, like, it's either that or starving. Um, 
Or sometimes you literally forced at gunpoint yeah. to grow poppy seed and to grow like sometimes it's like that. So I know the complexities of that, but then I look at this cunt who is like, I just want something for my party. And I'm like, you do realize that the money you've paid for your party is literally, literally putting a gun in a 14 year old's hand. And I just can't separate myself from that. I just, and I, I, I'm the guy who ruins the dinner. When, you know, when I'm with my boyfriend and his yeah. friends, it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do, like, we do, we're, we're so high on coke. And I'm like, you do realize you're killing people, right? I mean, just... Yeah, we're not no, I, I totally get it. And apparently it's bad manners I, to tell people they're murderers. Apparently it's bad manners. I mean... So people are so sensitive. You can't call someone a murderer without people getting all like, oh, why are you calling me a murderer? Exactly. Hashtag not all men. Not uh, all men? <laughs> not all coke? I mean... This is such a murky and deep subject. Yes. <laughs> As a Mexican stereotype. But what I will say is... Because, you know, some people say, like, well, you know what you know what other industries that are legal and whatever and also, put, you know, put, you know, uh, guns in and, you know, kill people, you know, whatever. But, but in the end here, it, you know, you can't pretend it isn't happening. That's the thing. There's no such a thing. I mean, there's no such thing as an ethical production of coke. Nope. Um... Uh, and all not the marijuana even the drink. I've had. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I've bought marijuana, and this is not to make myself look better or anything, it's just a I thing that I do. Do you grow your own marijuana? I don't grow my own marijuana, uh, but I've, uh, ev- you know, whenever I've bought marijuana, literally with my money and whatever, uh, I've done it from people who actually, I see the plants okay. there, like, they're growing their own. Uh, I see the plants. I see the 14-year-old kid. I see the gun. I see the gun. No. Uh, I, know, I, I know a lot of friends who are actually... I don't know if you've run into these people, but they're against selling marijuana. They just gift it. Yeah. yeah and they will only gift it. They, yeah. will, they will refuse... Categorically, car- mm. categorically refuse to sell it. Yeah. Then again, I have eaten and had marijuana that I know nothing of where, where it comes from. So I'm yeah. being a huge hypocrite. It's, the, 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 huge. it's, it's yeah. such a hard thing to be an ethical consumer nowadays. Um... Here's the thing. I mean, and we're going and coming back to the Mexican stereotype of drugs. Yes, there are cartels. Yes, things are happening that are not, you know, yay, fun. Um, and that's uh, the understatement on the fucking year. Thank you, Martin. Uh, yes. What I will say about the Mexican stereotype is, you know, the drug the drug cartels <laughs> aren't fighting over millionaire amounts of money in dollars. Just because of Mexican uh, consumers, oh, no. and not because of that one girl at a party, you know. Uh, in most of the drugs, we, we are we're uh, we're a passageway for drugs, and the drugs are being consu- and consumed in mainly in the U.S. And, and guess where the the fourteen year old's gun comes from? By the way, your Walmart. Exactly. So, uh, so it is a very complex problem. And, like recently, Trump tweeted that you know we're under siege here in Mexico by drug cartels. He's not wrong. I'm sorry. Parts of towns, there are towns that, that are, are completely understood. Completely, completely, completely agree. Uh, it's not as bad as the conservative media, in conserv- conservatory media, in the in, in the in the US is trying to make it make it seem. But it is a problem with many layers, and in which you can't just build a wall and pretend that anything's gonna get fixed because. Even if you build a wall, people over there are going to want to buy it. People over here are going to want yeah, the no. money that those people have in order to buy it. I mean, there's tunnels. There's, you know, they're using drones. Yeah, no, he'll it's... go like, oh, but walls work in Israel. Yes, but the thing is, walls can maybe stop, maybe stop people. Maybe, but yeah. not money. And you know, and you, you know, can't stop money. the difference the between yeah. the border of Israel and the border, the, the Israel-Pakistan uh, border, yeah. and the Mexico-U.S. border—it's you know, it's not even you know comparable. No. So it is. So what I what I, what I will say about the stereotype is yes, of course there are parts that are true. Of course there are, there there are, there's a lot of there's a lot of responsibility on on part of the Mex, of Mex, on this side of the border to control it. It's hard because people that are making themselves millionaires because of drugs are not just going to stop doing it because you say it's bad for people. Uh, but there's also a huge part that, it, that isn't just Latino communities or poor communities. Uh, again, those are not the people paying millions of dollars exactly. for the drugs. So, yeah, I, I, 
To be honest, I, the only solution I see of, for this is just legalize every fucking thing. Everything. Just everything. Let, let people overdose on whatever Steroids they want. You know, think about and... it. It'll be a stimulus to the economy if people start... <laughs> di- Seriously! It'll be a stimulus for the economy if people start dropping like flies because they're overdosing on coke and heroin. Because those people were not really helping the economy anyway. It's a way of saying, you know what, you want to kill yourself, go right ahead, remove yourself from the equation... I think everyone should be free to put whatever they fucking want to them. And, and... no, no It just got really dark all of a sudden. Let's give coke to kids. I just say that it's just, like, whatever. Like, I'm... Luis Augusto, what's the next... If we the, literally put... What's the next cocaine, presidential election? Seriously, if we literally put cocaine in cereal boxes for kids, less people would be dying. I mean, the, th- the thing on cereal boxes, sugar, it's also white, and it also makes them go... Boo. There you go. <laughs> So yeah, uh, the that. world the world is fucked. That's 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 uh, anyway. That's the end of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, like now we've been banned because I said that we should give cocaine to kids. Sorry, I take I that mean, back. Not all of them. I take that back. Also, heroin. We, like it's just <laughs> think about it. It's just like happy first communion. Here's I mean, a shot. If I knew how to fix the world, I would have fixed it by this point. <laughs> yeah, true. That's true. I don't want to fix the world. I just want there to be. Peace among mankind. Oh, fuck it. Fuck peace. <laughs> fuck peace. Bring them the drop. Fuck the concept of peace. Fuck the concept of peace. Um, anyway, so anyway, this, this is, is where gone... my conservative side comes out. It's like, I'm yeah. pro, you know, I'm against gun control. No, I'm against yeah, control. conservative people just want to legalize everything. That's, no, that's here's, the thing, here's the thing. You're, yeah. so conserv- it's, it's, you're so conservative that you went to the other side. It's <laughs> like you, you have a clock. You know, you went, like, the whole way around and just went, like, ultra-liberal. This is why... Yeah, exactly. This is why I don't believe in the liberal-conservative dichotomy anymore. Because, it's like, I'm such a libertarian that I seem conservative to a lot of people because I'm like, everyone should be able to have guns and everyone should be able to have all the drugs and everyone should be able to have whatever they want. But the thing is, I believe that it's through the, you know, stop interfering with people's lives and then people will be dying less. I genuinely believe... After a, mo- after a while of people dying more... yes. They will die less. Exactly. Like the Black Death. Like, (laughs) a lot of people died at some point, and then they stopped dying. It was fine. Uh, Yeah, well... Anyway, what is our episode about? What's our episode actually about? Our episode Uh, is actually about... uh, There's this uh, lovely little series on Netflix called The House of Flowers, or as is original title, La Casa de las Flores. Yes. Uh, This series uh, debuted on Netflix on August 2018, it was created by Manolo Caro. It was actually produced by one of my classmates in uh, Centro. Are you serious? Mariana, Mariana Arredondo. And this series uh, follows the life of a well-to-do family in Guadalajara. Um, no, Guadalajara. No, it's in Mexico City? It's in Las Lomas. Las Lomas? Yeah, it's in Las Lomas. Yeah. Where did I think Guadalajara? I don't know. Okay. Las Lomas, Mexico. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. Because of flowers, yeah, maybe, and gay people, maybe, maybe, <laughs> it's like oh, maybe. must be one. I, I just thought exactly. Yeah. Uh, so they, the main the main character is Verónica Castro, who is the matriarch of this family, uh, and the other characters are her husband and her three children. Actually, no, wait, uh, her husband. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know if she's the main character. I would say Cecilia Suarez is the main character. No, no, no. I totally totally disagree. Because everything uh, is... Like, Cecilia Suarez is also one of the mains. But if I I had to name a main character... It would be Veronica Veronica Castro. Castro. Because everything is around her and her having to deal with her whole family thing. I mean, you know, the the whole... The series starts with a woman committing suicide. So you must love this. (laughs) I do. I like it. And it, she leaves a letter uh, where she explains that she's been having, she's been having an affair with Veronica's husband for a while now. For a while, for a very, very long while. Um, it's, and they have a child together. It's kind of like a deconstruction of the Mexican telenovela, but like you may remember from our previous episode, when sometimes people are trying and not entirely succeeding, I think... It starts as a deconstruction and it ends up playing it completely straight, telenovela, yeah. especially her storyline, especially Veronica Castro's storyline. I don't yes. think I don't know if she doesn't have the range; she might not. But um, it's just it, it, it's funny you mention that because I think she is, if not the best, one of the better actors in the series. Like I, I enjoyed her. That's because the series is full of rubbish actors. Oh well, you know, they're terrible. 
Direct. And we just came from watching telenovelas. <laughs> I know, I know. No, but it's terrible. Um, here's the thing. So the telenovela starts, and it's all about the family secrets. Yes. You know, so it's like, it, it, it comes out that this woman writes a suicide note, and in the suicide note she says, you know, she, she basically blows the cover on all these secrets that the, the household has. And they have to come to terms with the fact that they're not the perfect family, because it all starts with this family reunion. Yes. And, you know, it's like, we're the perfect family, and we have the perfect children, and we have this beautiful business of selling flowers, apparently... You know, they're, they're florists and they're millionaire because they're sell their florists. Well, it then it then transpires that they're not they don't have that money because of the flower shop. They actually have the father had this other business. The father is incarcerated. Yes, uh, but they they have this other business which is basically a, a gay burlesque um, drag dance, club. Dance club. Yeah, it's like a cabaret basically. Basically, yeah. It's not quite a whorehouse, but it no, is a cabaret. Like, yeah. it, 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 I mean, but it is a shady business. Shade. Well, at least for them. I mean, it is. I mean, even even for I think even for like a middle class family, it would have been because these are you know like like super rich. I think owning a place where you know drag queens perform even nowadays here in Mexico, even when things like La Más Draga, which was which second the second season of La Más Draga just started people looking for their YouTube. Um, even then, you know, like a lot of people will be like, "Ooh, no, that's that's not a reputable thing for a family to be doing." So it turns out, it turns out the father was um, was owned this other business, and that was the business that was pretty much keeping the family afloat because the flowers weren't really paying the bills. Even if they changed the books, so the mother thought that it did. Yeah, and uh, his daughter, his eldest daughter, played by Cecilia Suarez, who is also, in my opinion, one of the finest actors of yes. her generation. Uh, uh, she um, she knew about this. She knew about the two businesses, and basically, she'd been yeah. playing both sides and you know dealing with the secrets of her father, but also dealing with you know the the whole the, the public face of the family. Yeah. Um, And basically, that's the premise. You know, all the all the little secrets of the family. You know, the family's life falls apart, yeah. and they find each other in a way. And again, very. It, it is trying to. Be, it is this middle ground between a telenovela and an American drama series. Yes. You mentioned brother and brothers and sisters on the last episode, uh, and it is very much this idea of taking the 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 main columns as it were of a telenovela. And bring them, bringing them to a new, a newer format. Like the camera work, I feel in this series is way better. Than, it's very good. Uh, very, very good. Yeah. But yeah, it's still dragging. It it never quite becomes a critique of the genre. It just becomes another example of, even if it's a more modern example of. The genre, and again, you could tell that they were trying to, you know, appeal to uh, this shock value thing uh, with the scandals of the family. Just like in Mirada de Mujer, where you have the abortion and you had the gay scare, you here you have an not a gay scare, but you have an actual bisexual son, which is handled. Questionably. Uh, questionably. questionably, it's not the worst representation of bisexual people in media, but it's still kind of like. Uh, Uh, you have the uh, the the Cecilia Suarez character turns out to be a divorcee, and her ex husband turns out to be a trans woman. Yes. Uh, who and and they divorced uh, after she, uh, Cecilia Cecilia Suarez discovered that she's a trans woman. She doesn't. She the character of the trans woman whose name I forget right now. Uh, Uh, Maria Jose. Maria Jose never yeah. actually comes out of the. She, just, she doesn't have the scene of owning her identity and telling telling her like this is this is this is me. Uh, she is discovered in this scene where it's like she goes into her closet, enters out, her husband is there trying on uh, you know her her clothes, which you know it isn't the worst reveal of a trans character ever. It seems it's even logical, still... like it would have happened that way. Here's the thing. Let's talk about the trans. You know, let's let's unpack this. Let's unpack. Let's talk about the trans storyline. I personally like that. First of all, it's you know she is a trans character that is represented and and it's it she is um, put in a very sympathetic light. Yes. She is actually very clever. She is very beautiful. She is very uh, professional. She is a successful professional. Um, she comes from. Uh, she she is Spanish, 
and she actually went off to went back to Spain, and which also makes a lot of sense because a lot of trans people do turn out to you know do uh, go off to Spain because in Spain they're a bit. You know, Spain was the fifth country Although, in the world. Oddly enough, a lot most of people in Latin America don't go to Spain. They come to Mexico City. They come to Mexico. Yeah, like there's stages, of course. And of you course. can tell, obviously, very privileged. They're all very privileged. Um, but here's the thing. I liked how, in the end, the fact that Maria Jose is trans kind of like goes into the back seat, And you care more about the fact that... Um, Cecilia Suarez's character, Paulina, was heartbroken at losing her the love of her life yeah. and realizing that she is now incompatible with the love of her life because she doesn't like women. She doesn't like... There's there are some moments of levity, you know. She does say, I, I laughed, I'm sorry, I laughed. But she was like... Because she's this very kind of half oblivious and half, half insightful character. Yeah. And she turns to her ex-wife now. And she goes like, wow, we were almost lesbians without realizing it. Mm -hmm. And it's said in a funny way, like she's putting yeah. it in her terms. She's clearly a flawed character. But in the end, you know that the thing that hurt her the most was she lost the love of her life. Because she knew that she couldn't be together. And in the end, the culmination of that storyline for this season is they kiss. Yes. She actually, like... She... She, yeah, there's a... There's a... Something happening. Something, And yeah. the complaints I heard, uh, specifically from trans people and that storyline... Because for some people, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a really good, you know, it was like, this is good. It's, it's about as good representation as we can hope from a Mexican production company in, 20, in 2018, 2019. Uh, but there are certain things, for example, the fact that she does, she does not have a coming out, uh, scene, but rather is discovered, which is, uh, you know, which you might say, you know, it doesn't even matter. But when, when coming out of the closet is a thing that you might or might not have to do, it does matter whether you have the power to tell people or whether that thing is taken from you. Even for even if it's for a comedic purpose, yeah. So there's that, and then the other thing is like just the way, uh, just just the way the character is, because she she's shown to be sort of like along in her transition, uh, but she wears wigs, and it's not like that trans people don't wear wigs or can't wear wigs, but you know, like a lot of trans women said, like the first thing you do is just to grow out your hair. You grow out your hair, you yeah. There was a hair. lot of bad research or no research exactly. done. I mean, I, I think one of the complaints was there was there were no trans people in the writing room, yeah. uh, which even, or playing her, and the, she was not played by a trans woman. She was played by a, by a cis, cis gender man, which plays to the idea that trans women aren't actually women. Yes. And they say, you know, like oh, he had to be a cisgender man because he has because he has the one scene. The production company did come and say that they did look for a trans actress, just they didn't find one, uh, and I called. BS on that. Call BS on that. There's plenty of trans uh, actors. And I mean, if Quaron could find the right actress for her movie, like you can find the right actress for your I series. Agree. The thing is, then again, I mean, okay, this is where I can get like into murky territory. But I'm just we're always go. going into murky yes. territory with you. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. Like I'm just gonna... you know, I think I don't, I don't think there's any territory I've been with you that hasn't been murky. I would have liked her being played by a trans woman. Yes, I would have loved. Her being played by a trans woman. Then again, the fact that uh, I, it kind of bothers me a little bit. Do you have to be trans to play a trans woman, especially a trans woman who is still in her, you know, during her transition? Because she is implied to still be like she hasn't fully transitioned. She is implied to, they never actually I mean, that's, again, that's another, uh, we're going to really murky areas because, like, when are you fully transitioned? That's the point. No, that's precisely the point. Which is, and again, the fact that that opens that, you know, kind of worms. But, for example, would I need to be a straight man to play a straight man? No. Of course gay men can play gay men. And, of course, straight men can play gay men. And they have. For most part, or at least you know, closeted gay men have also you know played gay men. Yes, and you know, like a lot of uh, you know, there's this joke where you you want to you want to award just play you know yeah. a gay person, but on the other hand, you know, like the and I do get it the 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 pool of characters for trans actors to play is so limited yes. that you know to take this, which is one of the main parts in a series. Yeah. 
and, you know, give it to a cisgender actor and then have, like, other tiny parts where you where you have, like, okay, fine, this can be an actual trans one. Yeah. She's going to be on the background for two seconds and that's it. And we're going to play it. We're going to pay her extra salary, which is nothing. Uh, you know, it does become problematic. Not yes. because... Not because cisgender actors, you know, for whatever what reason should or shouldn't play trans actors, but also because it is so, again, it's such a limited pool yes. that taking it away, again, it's like, m- m- I'm sure there's a lot of straight actors that could play gay and do it beautifully. Or, you know, they're actually bisexual and they haven't said any, so they don't, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, but as a gay, as an out gay actor... You know your your options are limited already, yes. uh, so that if you give the gay part to another straight actor, especially when you, it's of always that part, like because if it's like a bit, it's the gay realtor who's gonna have like, oh my god, look at the house, look at the part, it's great, blah 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 blah. Yeah. Then you hire the, the out gay actor, and he's like, oh my god, we're being so inclusive, inclusive. Yeah. But then you have like the the huge part in the movie of the gay per, the gay historical figure. Who it was so important, and then you start say you know bringing out the excuses where like, well you know what gay actor is bankable? Well this guy's more well known. Well everyone should be able to play everyone, and you know that's it, no, it's very complicated. And I will you know I, I even though I liked how this actor plays this character, I liked it. Yeah, uh, it was the, one of the most enjoyable things for me uh, of the series. I did end up saying like, yeah, but I mean why, why not a trans woman? Like I'm sure a trans woman act actress would have no problem saying, "Would you mind going back to cis male look for that scene?" If he is okay with dressing as you know, if a cis male actor is okay with dressing as a woman, and he's not in drag, by the way, it's uh, like visually, it's done realistically to a degree. Like it's like you, you can tell it's not a caricature of a woman. Murky waters, my friend. Really I, murky waters, right here. Why do you think it is? Like, do you think it's no? Because I mean, it, it, it is the fact that uh, uh, you know the whole thing about clocking someone, the whole thing no, about I'm not being talking realistic, about that. the I'm not whole thing about whatever. That's the problem with this casting. It just yeah. opens up this whole can of worms, and in the end, it does. A, and we talked about this before. About how, like, what's your purpose? What's your message? And yeah. in the end, I think that the House of Flowers, you know, you want to have a second season. Nowadays, especially in services like Netflix, you can't just do like one series. I mean, you can. Most people want to have a series and then have following seasons. Yes. And, you know, then drive it to the ground like The Simpsons or Friends or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so here, I think part of the thing is they want it to be as shocking as possible on the first season. So they have the bisexual son. And oh. they have, uh, and they have the trans, the, the, the trans ex-wife, and they have, uh, you know, the whole cabaret thing, and a lot of things that are kind of, you know, it does seem like they exploitative. were exploitative, exploitative, and unlike, and this is gonna sound weird, but unlike Mirada de Mujer, well, all these things seemed topical and seemed like they were given their space to be talked about. In here, they just seem to be just like, okay, this is something people... Like, people are going to talk about this. Like, let's put this. Yeah. Like, but because, you know, there's this idea that even bad press is good press because it makes it gets people talking about you and watching your series. And nowadays, in the era of how many views do you have, how many likes do you have, how many people are tweeting about you, it doesn't matter if 100,000 trans women are complaining about bad representation in media, it matters that you have 100,000 people tweeting about you. True. The thing is, I'm trying to think about, like, how is the writer expecting the audience to read the character? Because that's kind of like what the writer is aiming for. Yes. So, for example, with Catalina Kuhn in our previous episode, the writer wanted the audience to think she is this monster from the moment she walks on screen. Yes. And with these characters... I like even... Yes, there is definitely a level of exploitation here that cannot be denied. And really, there's no way you can possibly try to. But still, some little parts of that I really enjoyed. Like the idea that this heterosexual woman finds an attraction to this trans woman beyond what she looks like or beyond what she wants to present herself as or beyond what she identifies as because there is something deeper. The idea that there is something deeper between these two characters and it hasn't died. Mm-hmm. And the idea that she learned something because you can tell like this, I, I really like the relationship between um, Paulina and Maria Jose because 
at some point, Pauline actually stands up for Maria Jose. Not that Maria Jose needs someone to stand up for her, because Maria Jose, no. although she doesn't have a coming out story, and I agree, she doesn't. She does have this idea of I'm a woman. Like she's yeah. she's constantly reminding people, which is something that I think, from what I've talked to with actual trans people, you constantly are com- coming out. It, it's not a one time thing, but it's yes. a thing that you have to keep reminding people. Like these are my pronouns, and this is the way yes. I, I prefer to to navigate. And I liked the idea that, you know, there's a, a straight character questioning what's her sexuality beyond the attraction. Yeah. And I like that. And then, you know, there's the storylines that I really didn't like. I didn't like the, the bisexual son The, the bisexual son storyline, uh, I mean, bifobia is a thing. And I, I'm, I, I mean, we could do a whole episode about that. But here's the thing. I think they had very good intentions. Some people, because I do think in some cases this was very much a... Let's just make this as shocking as possible, get a second season. And then maybe in a second season we will explore these things, or maybe we won't. Maybe we'll just, you know, do shit. But, <laughs> but, but, it was, um, but it was all under this... Um, I mean, even the good parts, I couldn't get out of my head uh, of, you know, the, the, the bad parts. You know, like, even if... Like, yeah, it's good we have this, but it was also, like, on my head, you know, like, there's all, this, all, all these other elements and these... And I get that you need to have characters that aren't, you know, quote unquote woke and they need to, you know, you know, do the work and, you know, uh, or the, maybe they'll never do the work and they'll always be, you know, they always have a prejudice and, you know, that's how reality works and we want reality reflected on media and that's how it's going to happen. So we can't just have a whole, you know, woke the series and then everyone's woke and, you know, like, and people never, never, ever say anything that's in any way problematic. But... Then uh, you do have some things that are just baffling. Like, for example, in bisexual storyline. Because he first... uh, This character is having an affair with uh, uh, an older man who is like a... Who works with his father. And and, and a girl that's about his age. Uh, And he at first uses bisexuality like less as an identity and more as an excuse to double cross both people which you know I mean I'm not bisexual I don't know how the process works but it is I was like ugh uh, but then, you know, he starts saying, like, I don't want to be known as the gay guy, you know, I want my own identity, and blah, blah, And then the next episode, he got a ma- he got a, a cover on a gay magazine in this kind of American beauty type photo where it's just him naked, uh, covered in petals. And, it, and it's, that's the thing that happens with me with a lot of series, not only Mexican series, but also, like, in general. Character development takes a backseat to what would be funny. So it would be funny yeah. if, this, if, if there's this scene where this guy shows his mother who's very you know who's very old fashioned a uh, gay magazine with him naked on the cover like oh I'm doing I'm doing uh, publicity for a flower shop and yeah it's funny but you we, you were complaining that you didn't want people to look at you as just the gay guy last episode it's all over the place what happened it's all over the place you, you, the, the dad has this cabaret where drag queens work and you know he, he's supposed to be you know, you know he's supposed to be working in this place that's very open, you know, if not open mind that understands these people are queer culture, queer yeah, culture, yeah. exactly. And then when the trans, when the trans, when Maria Jose comes and and you know is working as his lawyer, he suddenly has a problem. It's like defending him, yeah, actually defending him, doing them a personal favor, exactly. Yeah. And in, in he immediately becomes this caricature of a transfer, but it's like. What are you doing? I mean, I get... Like, this could have been more of a character that needs to learn the nuances between a drag queen and a and a trans woman. And instead, he just becomes... And that's a, a conversation that would have been interesting. It, it, would, yeah. it would have been fantastic. Yeah. To, and it's not that it doesn't happen, but because it does happen, but it happens on a side, a side note somewhere. Yeah. And it could have been way more close... Way closer, sorry. To the, to the main characters and to the main, you know, conflict. And I think that's one of my problem with the House of Flowers. That it, it, it is it is a great it is good it is it is well produced. It, the acting, yeah, the acting. I wouldn't even say it's good. I enjoyed it. Look, I'm going to be honest. I would just watch a TV series about uh, Paulina La Mora and Maria Jose. Okay. That that objectively, that's the only part I like. I think Cecilia Suarez has impeccable comedic timing. She's fantastic. Yeah, she totally. is. A and she's joy to watch. And she's doing this accent here in like if you're American you 
you won't recognize it, but but it's this. She speaks very slowly, and she has this really weird, you know, sort of. Uh, it's a very upper class, upper class accent, and so she. But and it it borderlines on caricature, but it's still realistic. Like I've heard women talk like that. Thank so you. yeah, it is it it is funny just by itself, but it, it does not become a parody of itself, and that's a very fine line to be. Uh, it's like. It's a very fine line to to travel, yeah. And she does it really well. She does it, really and I also think that Veronica Castro shows that she is the one with the most acting experience because her character is the one that makes the most that makes the most sense. I think also that's the fact with that Veronica Castro will be does have you know the the background to tell the writers I'm not going to do this or I'm going to say this because this doesn't go with the character. And I also think she was. Having fun. I think she's not coming back to a second season. She's she was, not. So she wasn't having that much fun. Yeah. Uh, but you can tell that she was enjoying... And she was creating a character. And her character was the one that I enjoyed the most. Because even if she was having trouble with everything happening around her, you could also tell that she was she was uh, genuinely trying to to be this bridge between the old Mexican telenovela and the new Mexican new place where a lot of people are finding entertainment which is uh, streaming yes um, yeah for me the thing is it's a mambo this series the mambo that we were talking about two steps forward three yeah. steps back and it's just like because um, I get invested in Paulina's character I get invested in Marijos' character and then there's a whole storyline of Paulina's son and the daughter of the of Paulina's dad whom he had yeah. with this other woman And I don't really know what Kinda they want goes to nowhere. do. I don't even know what they want to do with this. And then there's uh, Eugenio Derbez's daughter. I, I think. And she is... It's bland. It's like eating stale bread. Her character has no... There's nothing funny about it, but there's nothing heartbreaking about it either. It, like, it, it's, exactly. It, it, it's trying to have this thing. She she brings, She comes back from the US. From the US. Again, this is another one of those inconsistencies that I was like, what? Uh, she comes back from the, from the US and it turns out she is dating uh, a black man. Uh, so, oh my God. So... It's scandalo. Yeah, and, you know, you have the jokes of the mom not, you know, calling him... <laughs> problematic names and everything, and then uh, the 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 fiance because he because he's because she is planning on marrying this guy uh, goes back to the U.S. so she she stays uh, in 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 Mexico and she starts having an affair with another guy from the cabaret, uh, which kind of comes out of nowhere. The son of his father's lover. The son of his, his father's step brother in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, They start having an affair. It's kind of bland. It comes from nowhere. It goes nowhere. Uh, you 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 never see her actually being like you know guilty or like feeling like she's you know cheating on the guy whose ring she's wearing. You know. Yeah. Uh, and then also you know she, she she like she's studying abroad. She's she's you know she's doing the whole interracial interracial marriage even. Yeah. And. She, she also, when she comes into the cabaret, she's like shocked and is like, oh my God, what, what is, is this? And how, yeah. blah, 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 blah. It's like, you were kind of introduced to us as, you know, as a more... Forward-looking. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, there are a lot of people who travel abroad and come back and they're just as close-minded as they were before. But they're usually not the people that shock their families with, I'm going to marry yeah. a black man. Uh, so the characters again and this is the thing that, that bothers me a lot of Mexican comedies in TV series and movies is that they will go for the joke over the character and that kills the character and if you don't know and in a sketch you can go for the joke over the character because the sketch is over in three minutes the character you laugh, is nothing and that's there. it yeah. but in a movie and in a series if you go for the joke over the character you lose the character and thus you lose the investment in the story then again you say this and I'm not saying it's a bad thing but you're saying this Because you're a stand-up comic. Yes. And in stand-up, betraying who you are for the sake of a joke is, at least this is something that Martina and I see yeah. eye to eye on, is betraying stand-up. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be about you. It's exactly. A, it, you're supposed to be talking about yourself. And we know a lot of comedians who will break character and say this thing. as like, you would never say this. Like, you're not presenting yourself as this kind Or that they will go yeah. for the obvious joke because it's the obvious joke. But they will lose the character in the process. Which brings us to, I think, the main problem with 
This series and Mexican... I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Mexican, Mexican fiction, fiction okay. in general. There's two kinds of fiction. Going back to drama, drama theory. There's two kinds of plot. There's there two. is a character-driven plot and a plot-driven plot. Okay. That is. In the first one... The plot is driven by the characters' actions and their personalities and their flaws and their virtues and everything. And it's all driven by that. They cause the conflict because of who they are. Yes. And the plot-driven uh, plot is all about the things that happen to them. Yeah. Things which they're, that just... they're, they're only victims of circumstance. Exactly. They're only victims of circumstance. Well, I mean, of course, they react to them. Then that's why, and that's why it's uh, interesting. Which brings us back to Brothers and Sisters, the 2003 TV series star starring the love of my life, Sally Field, who is just oh my God, Sally she's Field. so amazing. Um, this, if you look at the first episode, you should watch the first episode, if only, because it follows the exact same, like, if I were teaching a, a writing class, I would use these two episodes as a way of, see how one succeeds and one fails. They're exactly the same thing. They're a, a very well-off family. They're very united on the surface, but there are all these, like, undercurrents of conflict that have been going on. There is a character death in the first episode. There is a family secret that is... Blown out of proportion. Bees! Um, the bees in the, in the hairdo. There's the, there is even like the three do the three children, the oldest daughter who is the responsible one who's kind of been taking care of things. Then there's the gay middle brother who has this good relationship with his mother and is mm. kind of like a mama's boy. And then there's a younger, in this case, a younger brother who is kind of like a screw up and a drug addict and he's been going in and out of rehab and whatever. Um, and there's like the uncle and like it's pretty much the same thing and the matriarch played by Sally Field in this case where it where it succeeds and the house of flower fails is that it's never really about the things that just happen to them and them responding to the environment but rather them standing their own ground and trying to understand themselves in a different way in the light of this thing that has happened to okay. them and the house of flowers you kind of see that for example the, bise the bisexual son is character-driven in the sense that he's trying to find himself. There is a conflict in there. Like, you know, we all relate. We, who doesn't love a good, am I attracted to another man story and whatever? Yeah. But then it, um, it completely falls to pieces when there is this storyline where... Uh, they're having a threesome with this other man and the man videos the... He records the threesome and it becomes viral. And yeah. then for three episodes, it's all about him dealing with the aftermath of that. That is plot-driven. Yeah. He is now responding to this thing that is happening to them. Uh, Veronica Castro's character runs into a drug cartel. And for three episodes, she's responding to the threat of the drug cartel. Then uh, Paulina de la Mora realizes that uh, she may not be her father's daughter. And there's two episodes where she's kind of like, oh, maybe I'm the, this guy's daughter or whatever. Yeah. And it's things happening to her. Halfway, halfway through the series, it's just about the things that are happening to them instead of about the things that they are doing to the environment. Yeah. And that is where I think it just completely falls apart. And we go back to a very traditional Mexican take on what conflict is. No, very, very traditional take because, uh, you know, having just watched uh, at the novela, I will, I will say that some of these things were even... I mean, I, it's a comedy series. It is. It, it, it was built as a dark humor comedy series um, and uh, in, in that aspect I, I feel it kind of fell flat A because a lot of the actors do not have comedic timing so it's just it's that some jokes are just dead on arrival especially with, with bisexual son um, and I hate that character and it's like it's like it. of this funny concept but like they it's just way too over the top for the and, and and of course there's also like you could say okay well you have the straight character the straight man which in this case is woman which is Benedicta Castro and you know of course characters in a big series are gonna like switch things around but there are some things in which is like okay I'm all for suspension of disbelief I am here for you yeah. but there comes a point in which I'm just not there anymore yeah uh, because in so many places you put the joke on top of the character. Yes. Like, if you had... To, if you, like, you... And that's the thing with characters. If you build more on the character, the jokes become better because the jokes become more specific to the character. This is why, for example, Brooklyn... Nine, um, 991? Brooklyn 119? Brooklyn number, yeah. Yeah. With uh, Adam Sandberg and... Um, yeah. What's her face that I love? Uh, 
I'm sorry, I haven't seen I mean, it. Sorry. All of those characters, yeah, they're I'm, 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 ridiculous things happen in the series. It is a com- it, like so many things that are out of that. Like that doesn't happen, people. But the character, but they never sacrifice a character for a joke. Yeah. In quite the opposite way, way around, they make jokes for the character. Yeah. And and it's about, uh, about not going for the easy laugh, for you know, really building up someone and then having that someone's comedy be way more, way richer and and special. And and for you know what the, the scene that lost me in Café de la Flores, uh, because it's was completely you know losing a, a character for a joke. Uh, the they have a rival flower florist. Yes. Um, uh, and they're always talking about her, like you know they're building her up like oh she is, is like she's so mean. This cutthroat flower. Exactly. And, yeah. and if she finds out we're doing badly, she, it's implied that uh, well it's not implied it's set it's plain told that she wants to buy the the the, the flower shop from them uh, because she's doing so much better. And when you finally see her, she comes. Uh, grabbed from the arm, which is taken by the arm from her gay, bro- obviously gay brother, and she's blind, and she's wearing uh, sunglasses, and she has her walking stick with her, and you introduce her. He's like, "Oh my god, it's her!" And the first thing she does is, you know, she's going to walk, and she bumps into a flower pot. It's like this. This was her first day as a blind woman. Exactly, and it's yeah. like, no, I mean, she's she's using a walking stick, and you know, this is this is you thing. Like, what would be funny for this blind character to do? Oh, to walk into that's not, right. it would it would have worked if one of the characters, you know, like knew she, she, she she's such a proud woman. She she knows where everything is. So you move something to make her, you know, and you. Put this character as a horrible person who will do that to a blind person. That would be funny. That would be amazing. And it would not be a betrayal of character. Exactly. It's, I mean, you're presenting someone as incredibly so petty. Fun. But exactly. Like, like, I would have believed it from Paulina, for example. She's like this character who will sometimes fall into this level of pettiness. Yeah. And it would be so funny yeah. if when this character, when she hears the character, like you say, that was, you should have written that. You should have been a writer. <laughs> it would have been so funny if when she hears that this rival woman is coming to like, everyone move Everything, Everything. Have. so she keeps exactly. bumping into places. Exactly, and they're like it's inappropriate, obviously, because someone has a disability. No, but, but that is dark but humor. It's dark it's humor. Obviously, yeah. obviously, someone is in the wrong that place. Exactly, and then obviously, is doing it to to. It's a it's a it. small victory. Exactly, gets, yeah. but in the end, she's take, has the upper hand because yeah. you know she's about you know she comes she literally comes to say you know what just give it up give me your flower she's shop. More successful. Exactly. Yeah. So that. If you had gone for the character instead of for the joke, yes. that scene would have been memorable. Yeah. Instead, you just have this scene where it's like, okay, you have a like. What's the first thing the blind character does? Walk into feet. She's going to trip. Walk into something. Yeah, something. Yeah, like yeah, even yeah. with it, like that's what walking sticks are for. It was the first day. You must understand exactly when it's your first day. They just hand you a walking stick and they just throw it out into the world and it's just go. And yeah, like. It was such, like you said, I, I remember that scene and I didn't think about it, of it, but it's a perfect example of how the series kind of like stopped being about nuanced characters that it really wanted to be like. It really wanted to be brothers and sisters so bad. It wanted to be like this thing where no one does anything ridiculous and when they do it comes from a real place. Yeah. And instead, it doesn't come from a real place. It's like, you know what would be funny? If this thing yeah. happened to them and they just... And that's why I like... I would watch a series about uh, Paulina and Maria Jose because they actually never go for the joke. And I think that also has to happen with the fact that the, the I think those actors, which were the more seasoned actors, had a say on the jokes they made and the jokes that were made to them. And they're from a different background. Exactly. Different, yeah. Uh, so, uh, and this is something I like to tell. Uh, like, I do have a workshop, a stand-up comedy workshop on Saturdays, and some of what I tell people is like, it's not a bad joke, but it's the first draft of the joke. And it's, I mean, yeah, it will t- get you a laugh. Yes, it will. Like if you go on stage and say that, people will laugh. It, it might even be a very good laugh. But it's but but I call it the first draft of the joke. It's like it's like you're not you're not making some you're not telling me something that another hundred people could tell me. Yeah. Or you know, hundred thousand people. You know, whatever. If you push further and you know just keep on coming with up with punchlines or even change up the premise a little bit for the joke, you're gonna find something truly special. And I think that was the problem with. Uh, House of Flowers. It it's annoying because it could have been truly special, but yes. flashes of brilliance. But from like several walls away, 
<laughs> and you could tell the flashes of brilliance did not come from the direction the show was taking, exactly. but rather singular achievements of seasoned actors who know how to milk the timing of a scene and know how to milk a delivery and how to deliver a line spotlessly. It's just like, boom, it's good. It falls where it should fall. Um, but then it's just, yeah, like it wants to be something that it isn't. It started okay. The first episode, I was like, this is obviously... The first episode is a really good episode. It's a rip-off. You, should, you yes. need to see the first episode of Brothers. I will. It's, it's a, a blatant rip-off. But, I'm, you know, there's nothing wrong with a good rip-off. I'll, it's an homage. I'll buy a good, I'll buy a good knock-off wallet. It's homage, Luis Augusto. It's called homage. Yeah, an homage. The difference between a rip-off and an homage is that an homage is... I'm honouring something. And I don't think this is honouring... <laughs> I don't think this is honouring anything. The shade. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think this is honouring anything. But uh, it does have moments of fun. It does, it does. It, and, and, I, and I do hope that with the second season, they'll... Um, I mean, it also... It I think it's going to be terrible, second season. <laughs> I think it's, they're just going to oh fuck God, everything I, I recently saw a second season. Of, I mean, I was watching the first season of American Gods, and I was like, okay, second season just... From the start, I love it killed the second season of American Gods. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. No, we need to talk this. Okay, fine. Other fine. time. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to. It was so nice of you to come. We're gonna close the trilogy on telenovelas next episode with La Rosa de Guadalupe. Yes, that's our final. If you haven't seen La Rosa de Guadalupe, Google it. It's amazing. YouTube it actually. YouTube. Um, yeah. And thank you so much. Oh, thank right. You. Or social media. What was forget? Follow us on social media. Uh, we're on Twitter and Facebook, uh, Mexicans Podcast. And uh, Luis Augusto, what's your social media? Uh, well, I am on Twitter and Instagram as Mr. Drama, Mr. spelt fully, M I S T R. And yeah, thank you for listening. Yes. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter as Mintonaro. And that's just my name with the letters mixed up. So yay. Uh, or just look for Martin Leon. You'll find me, I swear. Uh, so thank you, and see you next time. Anyway, American Gods. American Gods. You like the second season Here's of American the thing. Gods? I read the book when I was younger. And it-